Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome. Now, most of the people that I know uh, in my social circles wake up every morning and they say, how can I make a million dollars or a billion dollars? But uh, the person I'm about to interview is a person that wakes up every morning and says, how can I upgrade a billion minds? <laughs> Welcome, Jim Quick. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's good to be here. Now, most of our community uh, is in Australia, probably may not have heard who Jim Quick is. So I'm just going to give you a brief rundown. But look, most of the bio is on UpgradeYourLife2020.com. There's a bio page there for uh, Jim and you'll get the full uh, picture. Uh, you know, he is the memory and learning coach to a lot of celebrities, billionaires, and you'll see faces like Will Smith, uh, Richard Branson and co. And we are exceptionally honored uh, to have him in the studio. He's here on a, giving a talk to 10,000 people and he was kind enough to put aside an hour to talk to us and he really believes in what we're doing at a higher branch and loves our mission. And um, so I just want to, before we, we get into it, because I know you, you, you're here to you know, provide information, but one thing, I did a lot of research on, <laughs> on, uh, and listened to a lot of podcasts, but one question that I have just out of curiosity is that um, you developed learning programs because... Uh, you had a couple of injuries when you were young and people will find that out on the bio. And it was, you had a defining moment when a teacher whispered to another teacher when you were nine and she said, oh, that's the boy with the broken brain. And out of that adversity, out of that anxiety, you developed learning programs for yourself. But when did you get the metaphorical tap on the shoulder from the universe, from God, to answer that calling and then provide those learning uh, strategies and techniques to the world at large and kick off uh, quick learning? Mm. So this dates back, I started this when I was 18 years old and I haven't done anything. This is my sole focus. Um, I had a revelation when I was 18 where uh, I'd struggled my whole life uh, with studies because I had this accident, this traumatic brain injury. As you mentioned, when I was nine, a teacher was just frustrated with me because I didn't understand like everybody else understood. They would explain themselves over and over again and I would pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand. So I had these learning difficulties. When I was 18, I went to university and I thought freshman meant I could make a fresh start. And I thought I wouldn't make my family proud. They had immigrated to the United States from Asia and typical story, they didn't, they didn't have the money or the resources, the education. We lived in the back of a laundromat that my mother worked at. And so it was a big challenge. So I really wanted, my motivation really was my family so that they could, um, so they could, I could succeed that way. When I was 18, I actually did worse in college and I was ready to quit. And my friend invited me to stay with him over the weekend to visit his family and to get new perspective. And I find that perspective is very important. When we change place or we change people that we spend time with, we get a different point of view. And, um, the family was very well off and father asked me this simple question, um, house school, which is the worst question you could ask me at the time. And I break down and I'm pretty reserved and conservative, but I just tell him all my challenges and how I'm the boy with the broken brain and I can't learn like everybody else. I'm ready to quit school. And then he guides me through a process of defining my goals and why I'm in school and encourages me to read one book a week that he provided me. And um, 
And I wasn't a good reader, so I was fighting him on it. I said, you know, I have all this schoolwork. And he says, Jim, you know, you can't let school get in the way of your education. And you also have to learn on your own. And I, so I'm back at school. I have a pile of books I, I'm, I have to read for midterms. I have a pile of books I promised to read. I couldn't keep up. So I end up not eating, not sleeping, just living in the library. And I passed out one night out of sheer exhaustion. Yes. I fall down a flight of stairs, hit my head again. And I woke up in, my, in the hospital and at this point, I had lost all this weight. I was hooked up to IVs, and I thought there had to be a better way. And it made me pursue learn this art of learning how to learn and make that my study. And when I did, I started studying everything from neuroscience to adult learning theory to multiple intelligence theory to things like ancient wisdom. I wanted to know thousands of years ago, what did the ancient Greeks do to be able to memorize things before printing yeah. presses and smartphones and slowly into it about about 60 days into it, a light switch flipped on and I understand so things for the first time in a different way I started to read faster I started to remember more and because I had those core competencies I my grades improved but my life improved how I ended up teaching it it's interesting because I couldn't help but help other people because I got very upset that I struggled for my whole life and there were simple easy things I could have done to be able to um you know, tap into more of that potential, but no one showed me how. Because school, I learned, was a great place to learn what to learn and what to think and, you know, what to remember, but not necessarily how, how to learn, how to think, how to remember. I think those are important subjects that really, no matter what your profession, and I know you have a lot of high achievers and professionals and, and business owners, founders listening, that, you know, the number one wealth creating device we have in, in the world is, is our brain. Yes. You know, we live in an age where nobody who's listening to this is paid for their muscle power. You're paid for your mind power. It's not your brute strength, it's your brain strength. The challenge is, is nobody shows us how to use our brain because it doesn't come with an owner's manual. So I started right there to help individuals. And my very first person I started tutoring, she read 30 books in 30 days, which is astonishing. And not skim or scan or just got the gist of what she read. She, yes. she really understood it. You know, as you mentioned, I, I train a lot of professionals, top attorneys, financial advisors, politicians, doctors. You don't want your doctor to get the gist of what she's just reading, right? Yes. And so, um, and her motivation though was her mother was dying of cancer and the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life and she ended up doing so. And that's when I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning really is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have regardless of our age, our background, our career, our education level, our financial situation, our gender, our history, our IQ. We all have the potential to be, to be better in that area. Wow. So that was the defining moment with the, your first student, if you like. It was. It put me on a path that if knowledge is power, learning is our superpower. And it's it's a power we all have. Yes. And I just I want that's what I want for people. My, my mission of, you know, I want to leave no brain left behind. I want I want to reach everybody's brain because I know we all have a better version of our minds than than we think. Yeah, absolutely. And on that on that point, um, what I uh, I want to tell people exactly how I came to learn about uh, Jim Quick and quick learning. Uh, so I'm obsessed with um, optimizing performance. We walked around our, our office mm-hmm. and you would have noticed that, uh, you know, we're, we have an office full of high achievers and everyone's on the go. We, we're, you know, we're a company on a mission. And we, we did have a defining moment um, last year 
and when we implemented a lot of your strategies internally, and I'm going to get to that. But first, I was uh, I was actually sitting in a cafe in Balmoral Beach with a good friend of mine. Well, now he's a good friend of mine. I had just met him at the time. His name is Angelo Campagnala. He's a chiropractor. And um, we ordered some food and some coffee. And he said to me, I just did this uh, memory and learning course with a guy called Jim Quick. Have you heard of him? And I said, no. And he said, oh, throw some numbers at me. You know, mm-hmm. he said, how many double digit numbers? Give me 20, 25, 30. I forget how much it was, but I, I gave him quite a few. So I rattled off all these numbers, 23, 44, you know, 96, 18, right. 11. And I actually, I wrote it in my, uh, I put it in my iPhone. I remember because okay. I thought, well, this guy, I'm not going to remember it. And um, the waitress comes back in, puts the coffees on the table. And I didn't realize he was just processing. And then no sooner than I picked up the cup, he started rattling off the numbers and I looked and then he went backwards <laughs> and I was completely blown away. And I thought, so that night I went home and I Googled who you were mm-hmm. and some strange coincidence, I, uh, you know, I found out that you were speaking at an event in Sardinia and uh, my family happened, happened to be going to Italy that exact month. So I said wow. to my wife, let's take Amelia out of school five days earlier and go to Sardinia. And that's when we saw two of your talks mm-hmm. And for me, it was just like, just some light bulbs started going off and I started thinking, okay, we are now on the, um, and this is what's happening internally at MSA National. For most of you who are listening would know I'm a banking and finance lawyer. And so uh, digital transformation is really impacting our industry. And so we had launched a program called Digital Now and we've implemented robotics. We're tinkering with AI, chat, live chat robots, uh, customized video and um what what I noticed was happening internally is that what we knew had to be all thrown out the window. So we needed to learn some new things fast and we needed to implement, build a center of excellence for our robotics program. We had one person, now we have nine. And so we needed our people to actually learn how to learn fast. And um, actually it reminds me of um, something Peter Diamandis, I think said in... Um, at Singularity University last year. And I I printed this out, uh, hoping that we would touch on this. And he said, your brain is programmed to be linear, but in these next few decades, the rate of change is growing so fast that almost everything we can conceive can happen. Every industry is potentially disruptable in the near future. And if you're not excited or scared, you're asleep at the wheel. And for those of you who are listening at the moment, even the change that is coming between now and the year 2023 is going to completely blow you away. I'm not saying I have a special lens into the future, but I hang out with people who are about to launch a lot of products and your ability to learn things faster is going to be your number one skill. Forget about what you've learned. Like my father learned one thing, one thing for life, you know, and that's how it was. But now my, my children are going to reinvent themselves eight times in their career. So the, the strategies that I learned at those just two little workshops, one was a workshop and one was just a, a talk that you gave. I learned a lot of things. And so we want to get into that and you call it meta-learning. Mm-hmm. And we need that meta-learning now in society to bridge the gap between the information that's out there and where our mind is at the moment. So our mind needs to go up 
at the same it rate does. yeah as uh, as the information and so we need some brain hacks we need some brain training so i uh, hope that's a nice segue into talking <laughs> about your your uh, brain hacks uh did you want to add anything to that before we get into those um no I, I honor not only what you do but also the manner in which you do it um you know when you could take these kind of metrics that you have in in business and finance and provide metrics the great thing about learning is you can me- it's measurable and it's hard to be able to manage something that you can't measure but you can measure reading speed you can measure comprehension you can measure um, memory and focus you know, f- simple things like whether it's the numbers that Angelo did forwards and backwards, or if it happens to be remembering names, all I believe two of the most costly words sometimes in business are I forgot. I forgot to do it. I yes. forgot to bring it. I forgot that meeting. I forgot that conversation. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot that person's name. It just goes on and on and on. So memory, just like the rest of learning is a forced multiplier, meaning the better you get at it, the more rewards you yes. get back because in this day's economy, knowledge is not only power, the right knowledge is also profit. And there's this growing gap between people who know and people who don't know. Yes. And I think if there's yes. one skill to master in today's age, the 21st century, it's our ability to learn rapidly because as you mentioned, the half-life of information it's just, there's too much information, too little time. Even the amount of information that's out there, it gets dated because of what Peter DeMondis is talking about, you know, Moore's law. It's doubling at dizzying speeds, but how we process it and read it and focus and retain it and apply it, it's pretty constant. Yeah. Only because we live in an age of, you know, fast-paced technology, but our vehicle of choice when it comes to learning is just, it's old. You know, our schooling didn't prepare us for the world we live in today. And in an age of artificial intelligence and automation where a lot of jobs are going even overseas. What makes us human is the power of our mind, our ability to solve problems, our ability to be a critical thinker, a divergent thinker, our ability to imagine new things, our ability to strategize things that a computer can necessarily do as well as as our human mind when we understand how it works. (laughs) Absolutely. And that was the experience in our organization. So a lot of the menial tasks that people don't want to do, where we had the highest staff turnover, now just handled by the robots. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. are scared of robotics, but it's, it's really a way for humanity to leverage off uh, so they can actually increase their happiness, improve their productivity, have more time at home uh, rather than having to work long hours on tasks that are just mind-numbing and soul-destroying. Yeah, so I, I completely love what you said and I, I love Moore's Law. I mean, uh, Moore, for those of you who don't, don't know, is the guy that invented the Intel, is it the Intel chip or was he the founder of IBM? Which one was it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Moore's Law is basically saying that the amount of, because of technology, you know, as we're progressing, everything is um, is happening exponentially, like Peter Diamandis talks about. He, he does, uh, he says, is his metaphor, if you, you could see 30 steps in front of you, uh, linear steps, yeah. if you needed to go 30 exponential steps and everything was doubling, you know, it would take you, you know, way around the earth multiple times and that that's exponential and we're not used to it because we're used to linear and local because as hunters and gatherers we could see what's what's linear and also local but nowadays in this global environment things that happen now you can 
you could see it on Twitter and Facebook, you know, yes. seconds later across the world. So it's no longer just what's happening in your local environment. And that's exciting for change makers. It's exciting for business owners and professionals because you could scale and using technology is not necessarily good or bad. It's just how we apply it to yes. get the result, get the result we're looking for. So Absolutely. Ex- exciting times. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, humans are losing uh, jobs to the robot. Uh, um, I've had some people, uh, whenever I've given a keynote on this, you know, question me on that, say, well, you're losing, you know, you're destroying jobs. I say, well, my rebuttal is that, well, you're treating your people like robots if you're giving them these tasks that can be performed or automated. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's we it does take, a, uh, you know, there's a bit of, there's always pain in pivoting, in changing. We need to transition away from our current mindset to develop the skills of creativity, you know, imagination, strategy, they're the three most important skills that we need to work on. And meta learning mm-hmm. is, uh, is the key, isn't it really? It, it is. Meta learning, if people look it up, it's the science of learning how to learn. Again, I think it's one of the most important subjects, if not the most important, because anything applied after gets easier because if you learn how to learn, you could apply that towards marketing. You could apply that towards mentorship. You could apply that towards Mandarin. You could apply that towards music. You could apply that to machine learning, whatever it is that's important for yourself and and your business. Um, And that's the economy that we're in. The faster you can learn, the faster you could earn. And, um, and we're giving the best news ever is that we have the most incredible adaptation learning tool in the world, which, yes. which is our, which is the the human brain. That's yeah, absolutely. And there is a convergence that's going to happen in twenty thirty five. They're predicting where uh, artificial intelligence and human intelligence are going to converge. And this is this is the point that we're going to get to where it's going to be extremely challenging. And we need to know how to learn fast. And it's going to be interesting. No one knows what it's going to feel like or be like. But the um, I think to demonstrate what meta learning is. I want to uh, just take people through just a, a virtual tour of your office. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can do that. Because I listened to a podcast yesterday you did with Brian Rose mm-hmm. uh, on London Real, which was an incredible, incredible interview. And you, you took him through a visualization and I was just listening it. So I was imagining, imagining, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> and I completely remembered it. Like, and I'm thinking, how? Like, I remembered your 10 principles within mm-hmm. two minutes. Uh, rather, I remembered them uh, from that. And then I taught those principles to my daughter within two minutes. Amazing. And she learned it. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, there's, you just have to trust me, guys. For those of you saying, no, surely you couldn't remember, I'll take you through it. So this is right. a virtual tour of Jim's office. So I didn't, I didn't go to Jim's office. I don't know what it looks like. I was in New York recently, uh, but I can um, um, visualize where Westchester is. So mm-hmm. I land on Westchester Airport. Mm-hmm. I'm picked up by a limousine that takes me to your uh, uh, car park. Mm-hmm. And we get out of the limousine and in the car park is a huge table of incredible food. Wow. And that f- Much like you have here. Yes. At your office. <laughs> all the brain foods. Yes. The team were uh, kind enough to uh, prepare all his brain food for Jim. <laughs> we have blueberries. Mm-hmm. Brain berries. Uh, well, you call them brain berries. That's it. <laughs> now my daughter likes blueberries because you call them brain berries. Uh, dark chocolate and uh, some walnuts. and Amazing. So- 
that's the that's the first thing I want you guys to remember. Brain food in the car park at Jim's uh, mm-hmm. office building. Now we're going towards the building mm-hmm. uh, to go up in the elevator. Before we get there, we have to go over a bridge. And as we walk over the bridge, I notice these giant ants and I'm stepping on them. Ants represents automatic. automatic. Negative thoughts. Negative thoughts. So just remember that. That's the second principle that we're going to yeah, uh, talk killing, about. Now. Killing those ants. I mean, that negative self-talk we have sometimes that people come to me all the time. They say, Jim, I have a horrible memory or Jim, I'm getting too old or I'm not smart enough. And we got to get rid of that. That negative programming because your brain is like a supercomputer and your self-talk is a program it will run so if you tell yourself you're not good at remembering names you won't remember the names of the people you need to remember because you program your supercomputer not to so absolutely and yeah i i, I wanted to go through all 10 principles mm-hmm. but uh, the three areas i wanted to do a deeper dive is one of those is mm-hmm. uh, automatic negative thoughts and that's something that plagues a lot of uh, people in the corporate world whenever the economy goes south or they, uh, especially people in sales, uh, experience uh, rejection and failure all the time. And it's an emotional hit. This is something I, I talk about with Dr. Guy Winch all the time. How do you deal with rejection and failure? Because automatic negative thoughts, it's negative self-talk, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess, yeah, do I have a question? I guess yeah, the we, question we, is how do we deal with negative, what are your techniques? Yeah, or, I, would, I would tell you right up uh, is that your mind is so powerful. People truly understood how powerful their mind was. They wouldn't say or think something they didn't want to be true and that's that's not to say you have one negative thought and it ruins your life any more than just eating you know a donut's going to ruin your life just once but it's the consistency that really makes a difference because if you're i always tell people if you fight for your limitations you get to keep them and a lot of people are always arguing for their limits about what they can't do or who they're not and um today's economy, it's risky to play it safe, but so many people are afraid of making mistakes because of how it's going to look to other people and their negative self-talk, you know, the beliefs of other people and their expectations sometimes becomes our internal self-talk. Just like that teacher who called me the boy with the broken brain, that became my self-talk every time I wasn't picked for sports or every time I didn't do well in school, I would always say it's because I have the broken brain and that became my talk and that became my reality. So we always want to monitor it or at least the starting point with all change is self-awareness. So people can't change something they don't realize is a challenge. So just sensitize yourself to your self-talk. And then what I would also say on top of it is, you know, you could audit it in um, and edit it. So if even if you catch yourself saying, oh, I'm not great remembering names. You could add a little word like yet at the end. I'm not great at remembering names yet because their language has a profound effect on our brains. And meaning that just like the other, just this morning, somebody was complaining to me that they, they got to do all these things. They just went on a rant. I got to work out. I got to take the kids, pick up the kids. I, I got to, um, you know, I got to go to work. And I'm just like, hold it for a second. <laughs> like, what if you turn that got into get? Just, and then they went, oh, I get to pick up my kids. I get to work out today. I get to go to a job, you know, and it it. changes everything because just that one little letter, you know, from an O to an E, you know, got to get, there's a gratitude that's built in. So we always want to be conscious of those words. So I would say the beginning point is be conscious of your self-talk because some of us are so used to hearing ourselves. So we kind of don't pay attention, you know, and it becomes rote and they say the average person has about 60 to 70 thoughts and 70,000 thoughts a day. The challenge is, is 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had yesterday. 
and the day before that. And people wonder why they can't innovate or they're creating the same challenges over and over again. It's because our thoughts are the same. And so be wary of your of your self-talk. That's really, really some couple of powerful tips there. And but really, this, uh, yeah, this Sorry. journey you're taking yeah. through my office is interesting because you gave me a tour of your office. So you went from <laughs> you went to the, the 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 car park, the the parking lot, and then you had the first principle, which is good brain foods, and then from there you crossed the bridge and you're killing ants, which is the second, second principle, principle yeah. and then from there you mentioned the elevator. Yeah, so now we've arrived into the lobby and we go up the elevator, but I notice that I'm a little bit stiff from the the flying and the being in the car. So I drop and do some burpees okay. and, uh, and some push-ups because I want it to be fresh. You know, I wanted my Good. mind to spark where there's motion, the mind. Um, yeah. Uh, and so the third principle is exercise. It is. As your body moves, your brain grooves. And we know that, that when you do, um, when you work out, you, besides what's good for your heart is good for your head. So you'll do better on mental acuity tests, focus, memory, because you're creating more blood flow and oxygen to your brain, which is very important. Your brain is only about 2% of your body mass, but it requires about 20% of the oxygen and nutrients. So you keep, you're keeping your, your brain fresh and clear of that brain fog. But the other thing is you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, uh, BDNF, which is just fancy terms for it's like fertilizer for your brain that we realize now we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 10 years than the previous thousand years. And it's not fixed. There's this processes called neurogenesis, neuroplasticity, where we're able to create new brain cells, new connections to the day we die. So it's not a set and fixed like our shoe size. And um, the fertilizer for that is, is brain-derived neurotropic factors. And what helps create that is uh, exercise. So very, very important. So you notice you got to third place, which is elevator. <laughs> and then you get remind you of the third principle, which is which is movement. And uh, they say that sitting sometimes now is they consider sitting the new smoking. We leave, live such a sedentary lifestyle. Yes. We're behind computers all day, eight hours, nine hours a day. And it's important every half an hour just to kind of get up and stretch and move around because it's, Absolutely. it's good for not only your body, but also your, your mind. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that exercise is actually first and foremost for the mind, not so much the body. Mm -hmm. It's really your diet is what impacts the body more. Um, it's an 80, 20 rule. So with the, um, uh, diet impacts your body more and, um, uh, and with exercise, it's the other way. It impacts the, the mind more. That's what I found. So um, that's something that we've implemented in our uh, workplace. Sam, who you mentioned earlier, gets everyone up, stretching, moving, yeah. uh, and they just get you know, sharper throughout the it day. It does, it does. Yeah, so it's so that's the third principle. Mm -hmm. Now we're going up the elevator, Yes. and the elevator door opens. And I think I know where your uh, boardroom is, where you are. So um, I walk the hallway, and to the right, I notice a table oh. full of supplements. Yeah, the, 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 the hallway there reminds you of there's just supplements everywhere. And uh, that's to remind you of brain nutrients, meaning that some of us, we, we travel and it's hard sometimes to eat the perfect brain diet. And, you know, I w recommend people go to their functional medicine doctor, have a little uh, nutrient profile done to see, you know, if you're lacking like vitamin E, very important neuroprotective of the B vitamins. Your brain vitamins are very important. DHA, omega-3s, your brain is mostly fat. And so yes. if you're deficient in these nutrients, you can learn the best speed reading technique or remembering names technique or give a speech 
technique from memory. But if you're if you're deficient in these neuro what they call neuronutrients, they've discovered that your brain has different nutrient requirements than the rest of your body. Yes. And so you want to make sure you have those to thrive. Yeah. Very good point, because a lot of people that have heard me talk uh, will know I'm not a big fan of supplements, why well, I wasn't, but I did a genetic test with one and I realized I was deficient uh, from some minerals. Mm -hmm. And so we can just buy genetically, we're wired that way, or the soil is not as rich as it used to this be. This is true, this is true. Like I, I, I much, I love all the food that you have here because I, I, I always rather get nutrients from food. Yes. because it's natural. Um, also because there's no supplement that's going to be able to replace the food because there's other contributing factors and nutrients that make that f food, you know, powerful um, and nutrient dense. And some of these nutrients work together. And then if you just take out that one, you know, nutrient and put it in a, in a pill, it's not going to have the same effect as if it would in, in a whole food. Um, but I, I agree also, I'm, I'm practical in that sometimes I know on the go, I might not be able to have the perfect diet. So where, where needed, I'll, I'll supplement. Yeah, and, and now, uh, you know, biotech and infotech is converging. So you can go do a blood test, hair mineral analysis, a gut microbiome test. So one of the um, people on our faculty is Alessandra Edwards, and she's a DNA-based performance mm -hmm. coach. So uh, she's based in Melbourne. Uh, so anyone that's in Melbourne or Sydney, for that matter, if you want to know exactly what's going on at the cellular level in your body, you could be deficient in something, as I discovered. And uh, so, yeah, highly recommend uh, you go and do some genetic testing with Alessandra. And um, yeah, tick off that fourth principle, you know, of taking the right supplements for your body mm. uh, to feed your brain. So the fifth uh, principle is I walk down the hallway and I open a door thinking it's the boardroom. In fact, it's the closet and out jumps my positive peer group or, what, memory. So, or a Great support memory. team as I, as I call it. And I'm thinking, guys, what are you doing here? Out pops, you know, my wife, my business partner, my best friend, my personal trainer. So the fifth principle is... Yeah, the positive peer group, you, you nailed it because that's number five. You go to the closet, inside the closet are all your happy, positive, cheerleading friends. Because we realize that when it comes to your brain health, it's not just your neurological networks, they're your social networks, that who you spend time with is who you become. We've heard this phrase that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with because yep. part of your nervous system, you have these mirror neurons that are always imitating people around you and it creates empathy. It's the reason you can watch sports or a movie and you can feel what the, you know, the characters are going through. Um, it's how we learn and we tend, you know, talking about the human mind where this adaptation machine and we tend to adapt and adopt the mindset of the people around us. Yes, the very beliefs, powerful. The behaviors, the habits. So it's not, you know, whether just what's wired genetically, it's like if your friend's friend does this, you're more likely to do the same behavior because we, we imitate people around us. Absolutely. So I think it's very important to do an audit of people around us. I would say that also sometimes it, you know, if we feel like people closest to us are negative, we could choose who has influence over us, meaning that you, you could love your family and also understand that criticism from people close to you I always tell people that don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from, which is, which is interesting because it's so often that we could get buried 
by other people's opinions and their expectations. And they could be sincere, but they could be sincerely wrong. Friends and family could want you not to be hurt. They can not, they can want you not to get your hopes up or be disappointed, or maybe they are afraid of losing you because you're progressing in some area of life. Um, so they could have good intentions. It's just that they could be sincerely wrong at the same time. So I would say is surround yourself with as positive people as you can. And if you, everybody needs somebody, that person that encourages them, that believes in them, that challenges them. And if, if you haven't found that person yet, I would encourage you to be that person for somebody else and especially be that person for you. Yeah, especially if you have kids. So you need to be what you want your kids to be. Um, because kids are always imitating and they, they don't do so much, as you say, more of what you do. I, I have a primary belief that the life you live are the lessons you teach. That people, even in business, you know, I would say people have to spend less time promising and more time proving. Less time saying, more time showing. In our, you know, the example that we have for other people, even when we're talking about our friends and family, sometimes you can't be a prophet in your own hometown. The best thing, you know, people could be like, why are you going to another conference? Why are you listening to another podcast? Why are you always reading those <laughs> books? Right. And you have to, we have to go through our own process, but the, you can't change anybody. You know, so many people come to me and say, oh, what do I do about my spouse or my kids or, or the people, my coworkers? And I would say you can only change behavior so much. it's so hard to change your own behavior. So think about how hard it is going to be to change somebody else's behavior. Really but what I would yeah. say is to live your life and let your let your life be an example of what's a possibility. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Love that. That's really cool. So that's number five. We're halfway through the ten. Yeah. So the the so closet's that's... clearly not the boardroom. So I go back to the receptionist to ask where the boardroom is, and she didn't notice me. She's busy cleaning and tidying. So the, the next principle, the sixth principle yeah. is a clean environment. It is. And why is that important for our brain? Well, yeah. I mean, just as the, so the sixth place, and we notice the strategy at the meta level here is we're taking places that you, we are now familiar with, uh, common, like in my office, as an example, and we're storing information in these different places. So in the first place is the first principle, the second place is the second, the second principle and so on. So um, number six is the receptionist and she's demonstrating a clean environment. And what science shows is that our external world is a reflection of our internal world. We know this because when we clean, have you ever, you know, cleaned your office or your laptop, desktop, and all of a sudden you have clarity of thought, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> all the time. We know that yeah. when you make your bed and you have a clean, you know, clean environment, it just puts you in a certain state of mind. Just like when things are messy, it puts you in a certain state of mind also. Yes. And so I would encourage everybody for, uh, to Marie Kondo their mind, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> and make it less messy. The other thing I would say when I'm saying clean environment are the things that you've talked about uh, that you practice, you know, eliminating these invisible super villains. I did a whole podcast about this. But, we, you know, we've talked about it. One of them is light. And so it's invisible. But there, I love your offices because you have all this indirect sunlight. And sometimes if we're just dependent on the ones that they put in your building or in your school, it's not the best lighting because it's inexpensive. And it's actually certain lighting is actually not good for... You notice they're off. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. So indirect <laughs> sunlight is absolutely the best. And I love also that you practice this, you know, and, and I've noticed this... Um, 
consistently over high achievers. They don't, they take knowledge and they put it into power where knowledge is not power. It only comes power when we, when we apply it. And I love, you know, how you constantly applying and with yourself, with your family, with your team, because that's the difference that makes the difference. So, you know, light is, is part of your environment, having a clean source of lighting. Another part of the environment is also, um, electromagnetic fields. We're not really sure about it. Um, but there's research that's suggesting that the human brain didn't adapt with cell phones so close to our heads and all this technology. And so is there a correlation, you know, and so to speak, maybe you could do your own research and, and look into it. But other sources are air, air quality. You yes. know, that's a clean environment because we know that if there's toxins in the air, it's going to affect your, your cognitive performance, no doubt. And then I would, the fourth one I would put out there is invisible is uh, water. It's not invisible, but it's hopefully your water is clear <laughs> and, um, and clean water. So, you know, having it filtered because sometimes there's a high concentration of things that maybe shouldn't be in our drinking water. And so um, I would say all those fall into the area of clean environment. So that's number six. Number six. That's that's <laughs> really good. Now with the, um, just on air, when you talked about um, the air quality and EMFs, we had Joachim Herman, he's a building biologist. So for... Uh, Guys, if you're interested in the dangers of EMF and how it impacts the brain, listen to that podcast with Joachim. It's been one of our most popular, actually, and um, highly recommend it. And it, it ticks the box for the principle that we just talked about. Also, on the breath, uh, remember that 70% of detox happens through the breath. So when you are shallow breathing at your desk, and we tend to do it on the computer, on our phones, driving, in meetings, that uh, when you're shallow breathing, you're not expelling toxins and you, the carbon monoxide you take in. So I just thought I'd mention that because I know a lot of people pay thousands of dollars for detox programs and forget that the most powerful detox is your own breath. So. Yeah, I would say on the, and that's on the exhale and the inhale is also very important because so many people, when they um, encourage them to read more or they're, they're at their desk, they, their posture, they're, uh, they are, it's collapsed. And if you collapse your diaphragm, the lower one third of your lungs absorbs two thirds of the oxygen. And a lot of people are, they're tired, not because they're hungry. It's just, they're not, they're cutting off the oxygen flow to their brain. So they have that brain fog. I did not know that. The, the and bottom one third. One third absorbs two thirds of the oxygen. And that's so important, you know, for it to get absorbed into the blood and go to the brain. And so I would say, deep breathing uh, is important both on the inhale for the absorption and all the exhale in terms of the, uh, the elimination. As soon as you said that, I stood, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think everybody, <laughs> I think everybody's listening did that also and just be conscious of it. But that's what I mean about self-awareness because self-awareness, not only in your self-talk, but also your physiology because your physiology affects your psychology because as your body moves, your brain grooves. And so hold yourself because it's the easiest thing in the world for, you know, it's gravity. We're, we're, we're fighting against, you you know, a force that's pushing us yeah. down. And, um, you know, just like David Goggins, who, you know, I'm, I'm excited that he's speaking at, at the event um, to upgrade your life in, in January because, you know, he pushes against this, resist, this resistance because grit is so important. Grit is a muscle that you, that you build and you have to get yourself to do the hard things. Like, um, you know, I talk about my morning routine, things I do in the morning to jumpstart my brain. But part of it is like taking a cold shower. I 
do not like the cold. I really do not like the cold, but I force myself to do it because it lowers inflammation in your body that could lead to challenges, health challenges, um, physiological challenges. But also I do it because it's difficult because when you train yourself to do difficult things, your life gets easier because that shows up when you need to be able to do things that are uncomfortable, but you still need to perform. And, um, but I think you have to exercise the, that, that emotional mental fitness. Very good point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's something we teach our team here. We say, do the toughest stuff in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, the first half of the day, because when you do the tough stuff, everything else starts feeling easy. And in the afternoon, you know, our uh, mental sharp, uh, we're not as mentally sharp and our mm-hmm. energy dips. It's natural. Mm-hmm. It's our, part of our circadian rhythm. So if you do the tough stuff first, then that stuff becomes easy in the afternoon. Yeah. And I would also encourage everyone to take on those things that they've been avoiding. Some people will procrastinate, they'll sabotage, they, they, they know there's something they need to do, they, but they keep on putting it off. And I would say, do that thing because it's been my experience that the treasure you seek is hidden in the work that you're avoiding. You know, that work that you oh, should that. be doing, it's that. the hard stuff. And, but if you just do the easy things in life, which is really nothing. You know, the easy thing is just sitting on the couch and watching, you know, YouTube or, you know, Netflix or whatever. The easy thing is putting things off, not having that difficult conversation with a family member or having that difficult conversation with somebody on your team. But if you do the difficult things, life gets a lot easier. But if you just do the, you know, if you do the easy things, life gets very hard. Yes. Very, very hard. And for those of you who are listening and uh, uh, in, in the corporate world, whether you're a mortgage broker or a lawyer, that's probably my number one you know, tip, if there's a, a big takeaway from our talk today, I, I think that'd be it because mental toughness is so critical uh, for your day-to-day world. It really defines your identity. So thank you very much. Yeah. And that, that's what a, a brain coach, what, that's what I want to do for people is to just like high achievers, they have a, a vo- you know, a singer has a, a voice coach, a, a you know, a business person has a business coach or financial advisor. Uh, athletes have personal trainers. I want to be a trainer and a coach for the most important muscle, which I feel like is your brain. It's not a muscle, but it's, you know, obviously it's an organ, but it's not just about being mentally intelligent. Yes, I could help anybody listening to, to quickly learn formulas and facts and foreign languages and so on. It's not just about mental intelligence. It's about mental fitness and mental health. And uh, just like a personal trainer will make your muscles faster, stronger, more energized, more pliable, more flexible. I want to make your your mental muscles stronger and more flexible, more agile, more pliable, more energized and and have that strength. So you just show up differently. Wow. I'm ready. I'm excited. (laughs) By the way, I love your t-shirt. It says, I just noticed, it says, follow your heart, but bring your brain. That is really, really cool. Can we get those t-shirts? Yes, we actually, this is an original. We we have about a dozen on our, um, on our website. Oh, you can, you can buy them, can you? Yeah, people go to jimquick.com forward yeah. slash merch. But for 10 years, I've or more than that now, I, I have the largest brain shirt collection because I really think you should wear your genius on your sleeves. People talk about wearing your heart on your sleeves. That's a <laughs> phrase. We are, your emotions are, I think you need to be also, you know, share those gifts and don't hold back on those. And I believe in wearing my inspirations. Thank you for listening to part one of my podcast with Jim Quick. Next week, we'll be presenting to you part two of the second 45 minutes. And I felt that the second 45 minutes with Jim, we clicked and we had a deeper connection. And 
Jim started sharing not just uh, brain hacks and strategies to optimizing your brain health and your ability to learn things faster, but he also started sharing some beautiful life wisdom that will boost your productivity and give you a sense of purpose in life. There were some moments, some aha moments in that uh, second podcast, which uh, uh, really has lived with me for the last uh, couple of weeks since we've recorded it, and I'm really excited to be sharing it with you. So thank you again for listening and until next week, I'm Sam McCall and it's bye for now.